Well, good morning, and welcome to a, a snowy Sunday morning in Marysville, Ohio. It's good to, to see the ones that have joined us in the sanctuary and, uh, and those that have joined us uh, by live stream. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, just a couple things to be aware of. Um, collectives are starting next month, and we're going to continue talking about those today a little bit, and we'll share about Josh's uh, collective, and we encourage you to be uh, participate in those. Uh, for those of you watching on um, live stream, if you're trying to consider whether to come out or not, roads are kind of clear. Uh, main roads seem to be clear. And the most important thing is McDonald's is open. And so uh, that, that is going to be our judgment. That's how we're going to decide whether church is open anymore. If McDonald's is open, church is open, okay? If you can get a large Diet Coke, you should be able to come to church and praise God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Amy. Um, welcome cards. Take time to fill those out if you, if you joined us online. Uh, you have the ability to join uh, with the, the Facebook live stream. And uh, if you're in the sanctuary with us, you can use the, the code in your phone and do some, the QR code and do some really cool things. want to hear from you. We, we really do. We want to communicate with you. We want to know your prayer requests. We are praying for Clint and the passing of his grandmother last week. And uh, he, he was gone last week for a funeral. So we're keeping you guys in, in your, our prayers. And we, we want to know what, how God's working and moving in your life. We want to hear... Uh, how, the good things and the bad things. And so these cards are just a great way to share those things. And then the offering boxes from the back of the sanctuary. And you also give online. Stand with me, if you will. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, right now, we just give you thanks for this opportunity to gather. It's snowy and cold outside. And Lord, it's, uh, it's always an interesting day when you have a lot of snow. And Lord, we're thankful for each person that's joined us in the sanctuary. And we're thankful, Lord, for the people that have joined us online. We, we pray, Lord, that your spirit will combine us together, even if we are in uh, separate locations, that we will sense your presence, your guidance, your protection, and your care. Uh, be with us as we worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing with me. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. Cause we are your church, and we need your power.
we sing that song of when my kids were littler and they thought, Mom, we don't really want to set the church on fire, right? <laughs> oh, the innocence of children. Guess what, church family? I'm going to teach you a new song, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I think that every time I, I uh, find a new song that I want to introduce, I'm just, I stand in awe of our creator that he still moves and speaks. I've, I, I have great love and value for the old songs as well. Um, and I definitely admit that there are new songs that aren't great. But when you find a really good one, you think, man, God is still moving and just communicating his truth to people here and now. And that just is so um, reassuring to me. And so anyway, this is another quick, um, fun song. You can clap if you want. I think you're going to catch on to it quickly. But I'm really excited to sing these truths with you.
that I had a Bible verse that I wanted to read in between the other songs. So I apologize if this is a disruption for you, but I'm going to read what I meant to read before. <laughs> this is from Psalm 28. Quickly, praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever.
Thank you. 
Mercifully hear the supplications of your people and in our time grant us your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever. Well, good morning. I know you've heard Josh and I both talk to you a few times about how um, our next-gen moments may feel a little different now since we've um, kind of separated our series and we aren't always going to be lined up right with what um, Pastor Paul is bringing. And I kind of got the giggles this week because I was thinking back to some of our conversations in the past couple of months, how he's like, I'm really feeling that the Spirit's leading me towards talking about community, and I really think that's where I need to go next. So if you're okay, let's just, let's just break apart. And then as I've been pouring over the kids' stuff this month, I'm realizing over and over and over again that our kids' messages have been a call to community. We've been talking about the early parts of Jesus' ministry as he's reaching out to people and saying, follow me, come, walk beside me. Let me show you what it's like to be part of this ever-expanding, ever-deepening community. I want to show you what the kingdom of God looks like here on earth, and then I want you to after I'm gone, take that, take that out to the ends of the earth. And so I think about community is something that we all are just wired for. We look for other people. We look for people who have similar interests to us. We look for people who maybe have similar backgrounds to us, but we are constantly reaching out. And when we find community, sometimes we just can't help ourselves, but we just want to advertise it to everybody around us. Um, so we've got some new swag from our kids department that a lot of our kids teachers are now carrying around. And that kind of sets them apart. They're volunteers. They are pouring into our kids. And it doesn't take too long here in Ohio for you to walk around and see somebody wearing a Buckeyes hat. And when you wear that, you're kind of saying, yeah, that's my team. That's my community. If I see somebody else wearing one of these, you're like, OH, and you know they're going to say back, I.O., right? So you're like, okay, yes, this is like a built-in community. Other times, your community may look a little bit um, more just like people who like the same brands. Or if you're wearing the North Face, maybe somebody might look at you and think, you must be adventurous. You must really be into mountain climbing and hiking and all of that stuff. And the crazy part about this is that we are paying these stores a lot of money for us to do their advertising for them, right? Like, I'm literally paying you for me to, like, advertise for free all of the great things that you offer. And so you can kind of feel like a community. You're wearing the right brand. Um, sometimes you can feel like you're part of a community. I have a beautiful neighbor that she makes t-shirts. And so every once in a while, she'll just send one of her kids over. And she's like, I thought of you when I made this. And they're often just these beautiful shirts that have a Bible verse on them. And so when I wear those, I can't help but catch myself in the mirror. And I'm like, this one says he makes all things new. 
And that reminds me, like, well, that applies to me, but also everybody that I encounter. He wants to make them new. He wants to resurrect them. And sometimes our communities that we find are just a little more silly. And it's like, if you know, you know. And if you don't, you don't. This is my uh, Shroot Farms bed and breakfast. And if you know, you know. And so this is one that you get kind of a little smile, a little smirk from people as you wear it around. But the thing is, with each of these, every time we wear these, I'm wearing my church swag today, got my church shirt on, we're sending a message. We're advertising. When we talk about subscribing, don't miss out. Sometimes FOMO can be a good thing if the thing that we're advertising is a good thing. If we're talking about our church and how helpful it's been to us and how essential it is in our life, I think it might be okay if some of our friends and neighbors are wondering what are they missing out on, that they don't have a community like that. They don't have these people to draw from. What's hard is when our advertisements are misleading. Like it would be confusing to people around me as I'm wearing my Buckeyes hat if I start cheering for Michigan, right? <laughs> confusing. It's kind of ironic when you're head to toe in like Under Armour lounging on your couch, right? Like, you're like, okay, well, wait, you got all this great athletic gear and you're doing the least athletic thing possible. You're burning calories by breathing. Like, that, that's it. But it can also be confusing and misleading when we choose to follow God. We start to advertise his message. And there's a lot of inconsistencies in that. I was talking and laughing this week because Amy told me she wanted to do this new song. She's like, oh, it's so good. It's called Your Name is Power. And I got home and I was flipping through the stuff for this week. And I'm like, um, you want to guess what the uh, big idea for the kids this week is? It's that the message of Jesus is powerful. That his name, when we live and advertise in his name, that is powerful. Talk about how it brings freedom for captives. Well, it might not be the freedom that we think because this freedom has to be freedom for everyone. So even when somebody else looks like, hey, it looks like other people control your lives and you can say, but no, I still have freedom. It brings mercy for the broken and the hopeless. Those are the things that when we advertise that we belong to Jesus, when we advertise that we are part of his community, that is what people need to see in our lives. Doesn't mean we live it out perfectly, but that we are conscious that if I have ever mentioned to somebody that I go to church, you better believe they are watching me so closely because they want to know, why would you give up hours of your life to that? Why would you do that? What do you, what do you benefit from that? Why would I want to do that? So this week, as we think about our, our lives and our, the, the things we're, we've talked about, the things we're subscribing to, the things we're advertising, the things we can't stop talking about, are they things that are going to give people FOMO, that are going to make them want to be a part of our community? Our kids are even doing this with their friends when they talk about how much fun they have at church or how important their friends are at church. There's other kids that they think, well, wait. You're telling me that your friends are nice to you? You're telling me that your friends say nice things about you? Because that's not been my experience with friendship. So we are even at the very youngest ages in our church rebuilding this idea of when you follow Jesus, people should know. It should be obvious 
You should be that person that people maybe just can't quite figure out because you're always doing things just a little bit different than everybody else. So we may look back and say, well, there's times where we've gotten this message wrong. We've, we've confused it. We have misrepresented what we thought the gospel was, what we thought this message was. And let's not bemoan that. Let's move forward and let's be the generation that advertises truthfully what it is that Jesus offers to the world. So I think that's how we expand our communities. I think that's how we go deeper is when we are honest about who we represent. And we know that even if I'm not wearing my church shirt, I represent and I am living in the name of Jesus in every situation that I encounter. So I'm going to invite Paul to share with us. Thanks, Mara. I appreciate that. And I, I do appreciate that um, God keeps us together even when we're planning different series. And it, it is an amazing thing that uh, we're still talking about the same thing. And uh, uh, that, that's an awesome thing. I, I have fond memories of church. Anybody have fond memories of church? Anybody have fond memories when you're a kid of church? I have fond memories of when I was a kid in church. Now, church has changed in my lifetime uh, quite a bit, particularly even building. Uh, you know, you, you look at the buildings. Uh, I can remember as a child um, having to go to the, the basement to, to use the bathrooms. And some of those church bathrooms in the 60s and 70s were pretty terrible. Can I get an amen to that? Anybody remember those kind of bad places you'd have to go and be like in the furnace room and behind, you know, all these storage areas. I remember times like that. I remember Rushville, Church of the Nazarene, where I, that's my earliest memories and fond memories of, of Sunday school teachers. Debbie Cooper is the first Sunday school teacher that I remember. And, uh, and, and I just remember all these teachers. I remember Henry Ott, who was my junior boys uh, teacher. And let me tell you, if you're, if you're teaching junior boys, there's a special place in heaven for you teaching junior boys. You know, we were, we were typical junior boys, and I can remember us running around the table and Henry saying, boys, boys, boys. And then we moved to Max Kinder, and Max was not as easygoing as Henry Ott was, and he snapped us into shape, but I loved them both, and they were both great. I remember all these Sunday school teachers, from, from, from Rosie McKinney, who was my third grade teacher, to, to one of my last Sunday school teachers before I went into ministry was uh, Josh's uncle, uh, Bob Huff. And all these teachers and all these things in the church have had such an amazing impact on my life. Uh, you know, I'm amazed at when I look at these memories how often uh, the, the big impact moments have not been in a worship service, but in a smaller setting in a Sunday school class, in a service group. You know, church has shaped me. Uh, my identity has been formed and shaped in the church. And if you don't like me, then blame the church because the church has shaped me more than anything else in my entire life. The church has formed me. And I've been shaped in Sunday school classes and in, in service groups and worship environments and being with people and sitting at La Rosa's or Skyline or Frisch's and eating with people after church, I have been shaped by the church. And I think when I look back, I believe that I'm better because of the church. That when I look back at my life, I believe the church has had a positive, growing, maturing impact on my life. And the truth is, some of the churches I went to were not perfect. 
As a matter of fact, I've never been to a perfect church. There were issues in every church I've been to, and, and you can, and you, maybe the common denominator is me in that, but there's been issues in every church, imperfections. And yet in these imperfect places, God has done perfecting in me. He's shifted me. He's changed me. And, and the church has been this catalyst of growth in my life. Um, when I first started practicing law, I was practicing in Vandalia. And the lawyer I worked with was all New York. His name was Alexander Virgilio DeMarco. And uh, Alex just passed away this past fall. And somebody sent me his obituary. And, and a Alex was as tough and mean as you get as a lawyer. Uh, he, he gave no quarter. And, and, and he would claim, and when I worked with him, he was an atheist. And, and, you know, here I'm this Nazarene evangelical boy is what he'd always call me. And, you know, I was always in the clouds from Alex's perspective. And, and we'd have some pretty serious conversations about church and faith and God. And, and I remember one time I told Alex, I said, Alex, you know, the truth is, whether I'm right or wrong, I believe the church has made me better. And I wouldn't change anything because I believe the impact of the community has made me a better person. Um, very few things would keep Alex from responding. But that one, he just stepped back, he puffed on his pipe a couple times, turned around and went back to his office. Now, I believe everything we teach is true. You know, I believe in the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. I believe Jesus died on a cross. I, I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe all that's true. But I know at the very core of my being that the church has made a huge impact on my life. And when I use the phrase better together, finding identity and community, those don't, aren't just words that I'm using in a series. I believe it's the substance of my life that I have found that I am better together because of the church. Now we've been dealing with some, some pretty significant issues. We're, we were created for community, that, that God created us through for community, and, and Mara referred to the, the teaching point that's been throughout this. God calls us to an ever-expanding, ever-deepening community. So, so we're created for relationship uh, with God and others, and we're, we're created for intimacy. And, and the last two weeks we've been talking about this deepening community, and we've We've dealt with this ideal that time plus vulnerability equals deepening, deepening community. And so we've been working through this. And, and community is found in, in many ways and in many places. Our first community is typically our families. We, we find community in schools. We, we find community at work with our friends, with sports teams in our neighborhoods. And, and it's been intended to be a part of our life from the very beginning. As a matter of fact, community is woven into creation, and that's what we've been looking at for the last four weeks. We've been in the creation account for four weeks talking about community. And so this ideal of community and relationship and intimacy and, and connecting to other people is, is part of our created nature. It's the nature of God, and, and, and so it's, it's woven into creation. It's woven into our lives. And the Old Testament... We're going to flash through the whole Old Testament in, in, in about 10 minutes, okay? Five minutes. The Old Testament is the story of community. It's the story of a God-centered nation that began with Abraham, that became Israel. 
And the story just continues as, as this community grows and changes. Uh, there's good and there's bad in their story. There's imperfection in the story of Israel. And the community was moving towards something more. Something better. God's intention was not, okay, I'm going to create a particular race. But God's intention for the community was something bigger and grander and better than Israel even imagined. Hebrews 11, which is one of my favorite passages in the Bible, it's, we call it the Hall of Faith, and it, you know, it, talks about, it talks about Abraham and Moses and talks about these great characters in the Bible and, and their faith. And, and it ends with, after talking about the story of Israel, and it's written to a Christian church, it's, it's written to Christian people, it says, these were all commended, all these people of faith, for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And I believe what the Hebrew preacher is talking about here is this ideal that the children of Israel, the people of Israel, were moving to a day where the community was going to continue beyond bloodline or adherence to the law or a way of life. But this community was going to be open to anyone and based not on who their mom or dad might be, but on the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This God-centered God community what was intended to be extend beyond skin color, birthplace, family line, gender, but is based on the Spirit. And this God-centered community is called the church. It's not confined to time and place. It's not confined to, to one location on the earth. But God's intention was his community would spread throughout the world. And the church is the, together with us in Hebrews 11. We are continuing the story of the people of God as the people of God. Then you flash to Acts, and you've got the Gospels, and you've got Jesus. And, 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 and the Gospels can be looked at as the, the Gospels, the story of Jesus Christ. And, and then you get to the book of Acts, and the Acts is really that the gospel or the story of, of the church, the gospel of the church, that the fifth gospel in a lot of ways, and that the church is meant to be the embodiment of Jesus Christ. And so we're continuing this story in the book of Acts. Acts 1, Jesus uh, departs. And uh, the apostles and others gather. It says there's about 120 in the upper room. And the first thing they do is they do some business. They, they decide, well, we've got to replace Judas. So they, uh, they, they cast lots, they throw their dice, and they, they choose a successor to, to Judas, some guy that you really never hear from again because God had already chosen another successor, and it's Paul the Apostle. 
it's kind of comical to me because the first thing they do is something that's not really what they should have done. <laughs> they should have just been praying. Isn't it like us sometimes to, to be so busy about trying to do something that we just do something to do something? Anybody else been like that, right? And then they start to pray. And then you have Pentecost. And then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, preaches this remarkable message of inclusion and salvation using Old Testament prophecy. And part he says this, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will pour, uh, on these days, pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and on the sign, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone, you catch that? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, now the Acts 2, the primary audience there is not Jews necessarily, but it's God-fearing Jews. It's people from other countries that they weren't born Jews, but they knew that God was moving and they wanted to be a part. And, and this is the primary audience of, of Acts, of, of Peter's sermon. And it says 3,000 were added that day. And you have what some theologians believe is the birth of the church. This is the birthday of the church. And then the book of Acts tells of the spread of the church, the gospel of the church. And, and, and the church spreads into Gentile countries, and it ends in Rome, which is the center of the known universe, with Paul imprisoned in Rome, but preaching in Rome. And then the book ends rather abruptly in Acts 28. Now, understand that when the book of Acts was written, Luke, whoever wrote the book, didn't use chapters and verses. Those were put in much later. But it ends in chapter 28, and it ends very abruptly. And, and, and the writing style is to draw us in. As a matter of fact, if you read in the book of Acts, about halfway, it moves from they to us. The, the story very intentionally draws us in, and as it ends, we're left with this unsettled feeling that the story is still continuing. And so the, the ideal is that we're continuing the story, that, that we are living in Acts 29. The book of Acts is not complete, but it's still, be, still being written in churches like our church. Now, in the book of Acts, and this will be a big surprise to you folks, the church was not perfect. Everybody go, oh, the church wasn't perfect. They, they have disputes and arguments and there's accusations. Um, there's, there's people that are neglected, and there's controversy. And you know, and, and you know, these two main, two main characters, Paul and Barnabas, have a, a strong disagreement about John Mark. And Paul goes with Silas, and Barnabas goes with John Mark. You know, the Book of Acts doesn't hide any of that stuff. That this, 
this church that God is moving through is still flawed and imperfect, but somehow God moves through those imperfections and just continues to build the kingdom? I don't know. That gives me hope. It just uplifts my spirit because I look at myself, and, I, and, I, and, I, and there's times in my life where I just don't get it. And God has to thump me in the back of the head to get me moving back in the right direction. And it tells me that God can use people that don't always get things right, and he can use churches that aren't always perfect to extend and grow his kingdom. That we can live into this ever-expanding, ever-deepening kingdom and church and relationships, even though sometimes we're pretty dumb. Can I get an amen to that? Can you at least give me an amen that pastors sometimes pretty dumb, right? Give me an amen to that. All right, let's get an amen. You're not going to give me an amen even to that. Okay. So it's remarkable that God's still moving. And then early in the book, we have this awesome passage. And so this is in chapter 2. This is immediately after, after Peter's Pentecost sermon. Acts 2, 42-47, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place to the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, there's a lot in that passage. Uh, it's worthy of a series, and, and, and truthfully, I've preached several series just on this passage. As a matter of fact, I think I've preached a series on this passage in, in this church. But there's phrases, there's portions of it that, you know, that just continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. That they were committed to discipleship. And the church was the primary place of Bible study. You know, I'm thankful for all the tools that we have today. You know, the, the internet, uh, computers, uh, the fact that we have a Bible that we can read, th these are great things. But in this passage, Bible study wasn't an individual thing done on their own time in the evening, but it was something that they did together. There is power when we study God's Word together. When we study God's Word in the collective in community, God does things he cannot do when we study God's word individually. I believe in it. I believe in studying individually. Read your Bible. I'm not saying not to do that. But what I'm saying is God can do some things in community that he cannot otherwise do surrounding the study of his word. Because in community, they were aligning the community their relationships with the teaching. They were continually devoting themselves to fellowship, and, and this is this word koinia. It's being together, it's eating together, it's sharing life, and, 
And we'll dive deeper into this significant word koinia a little bit later. They were continually devoting themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, now this phrase actually, there's a little bit of debate on, on what is meant by this ideal of, of breaking of bread. Uh, many people think, well, when they're breaking the bread, this is fellowship. They're eating together. And I, th I think there may be some truth to that as well. But, but there seems to be this differentiating between eating together and breaking the bread. And I think what the writer is talking about here is a particular reference to communion. That, that they were breaking the bread in worship. And what they're implying here is that when they're gathering, there is this aspect of corporate worship that is routinely used in a part of their gatherings. Corporate worship matters. It matters. It's not the only thing, but from the very beginning, the, the early believers have gathered for times of worship together. Even Jesus, in, in his last night, it particularly makes reference to Jesus singing a hymn with his disciples and going out. Something happens in corporate worship that cannot be duplicated by singing with a song in, in your car by yourself. Those are good things to do. But there's something that happens in this place when we worship together, and the early church recognized it, and tradition has recognized it, and that's one of the things that we need to do when we gather together. Continually devoting themselves to prayer. Prayer is meant to be corporate. We're meant to pray with other people. Because praying with other people aligns ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. To pray with other people means that we have to be taken outside ourselves and listen to other needs. All these things are important, and they need to be unpacked more. But I want to focus on a concept that works its way throughout this passage. The early church was together. They were together. You can't read this passage without seeing it. And there's significant phrases. Just listen to these passages. All those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They're sharing with one another resources. They're sharing meals together. One mind in the temple. And don't simply think that they're worshiping together. That, that there's worship going on. But the temple is more than just this place of worship. It's the center of, of society. It's the marketplace, if you will. It's where the community gathered. And so they were publicly together. It's one of the significance of uptown Friday nights that I don't know that we've completely grabbed hold of. Um, we're there, but I think there's a power when we're there together. That when people see us interacting with each other 
You know, what, what's Jesus say? They, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And so when you're in the public place and you're loving each other and you're enjoying life together, I believe there's a, something that is appealing and drawing to that. People aren't going to be drawn to your buildings, but they're going to be drawn to your love for one another. It comes back to the one word, fellowship or koinia. Now, now fellowship and koinia is more than sharing meals and space. We like pitch-in dinners, right? Amen? I have lost 50 pounds this year because the church can no longer do pitch-in dinners. Uh, that, that's all it's been, just no pitch-in dinners, and, and the weight's just fallen off. So uh, it, You can be in the same space. You can be at a pitch-in dinner. You can be in a sanctuary today together, yet not be experiencing koinia, right? You experience this all the time. You... you, you you go to your work, and maybe you've got one of those workplaces where you have cubicles. You know, you have a little wall between, and the, the person's like just two feet from you, three feet from you, but there's no shared purpose, no shared meaning, nothing. You're not experiencing koinia. You're in the same place, but you're not connecting. Unfortunately, this can happen at homes. You, you can sit around, you watch TV, you can eat at the same table, and yet there's not koinia. One of the things with Amy's class that she's leading is, is not just that we share space, that we share lives. That in married couples, the ideal is that as you're, as you're growing and changing, you're sharing these things and it's influencing and growing deeper. I believe in, in strong marriages, there's this sense of koinia, this sense of, common purpose, shared purpose that moves beyond differences. See, that's what koinia is. It's a, it's a shared purpose. There was something that kept them together other than convenience. And truly, they were better together. And this is the point. As we think about this ever-expanding, ever-deepening community, better together is not based on our sum total, but on God's move in the midst of our relationships. You know, we're not teaching, hey, if we get enough people together, their, their resources and their gifts will make us a better community. But what we're saying is, when you live in that sense of koinia, you know the passage that comes to my mind? Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be in the midst. And that Jesus in the midst <laughs> makes better together better. It's not the sum total, but it's Jesus in our midst. Now, now the collectives are intended to move us towards greater koinia. I mean, the, the substance of the, the collectives, should, should, there should be a shared purpose in that. But besides that, there should be additional connections that are made in these small groups, in these collectives. And, and that's why we're pushing them. And, and that's why we believe they're important, because we believe that it's important that we spend time with each other. And so we got a video on Josh's collective. Are we ready for that?
Our How to Read the Bible series will teach you to understand the Bible's message and appreciate its unique literary design. The Bible is an intricate work of art that tells one unified story that leads to Jesus. But it isn't like any book you've ever read. It's actually a collection of books, each with its own purpose. And to make it more interesting, the Bible isn't even written in one particular literary style or genre. What do we mean by genre? Genres are a unique style of communicating, with certain ones being more effective at communicating different ideas or stories. Like a news article is one type of genre, while a children's book is another. Each genre has separate techniques and rules that writers use to communicate. The Bible has three main literary styles, narrative, poetry, and prose. This series unpacks the important elements of each of the Bible's literary styles while walking through key sections of the Bible. The Bible is a large book, but it doesn't have to be intimidating. Watch our How to Read the Bible series and see how the Bible is divinely inspired literature that leads us to Jesus. Episode one is an overview of the entire biblical story. So let's get started. I know you'll enjoy that study. I've done some of those uh, in the past, and th this is going to be well worth it. I encourage you, so sign up for one of the collectives. Sign up for all the collectives. I think they're all at different times, but you know, sign up for one of them connect some way in the, in the coming, coming weeks, coming months. Let's take one final look at this passage in verses 46 and 47. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And then this phrase. And the Lord was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. What, what language would you use to describe how that passage ends? God's move, spirit-filled move, the kingdom of God, revival. You know, those who were being saved, can we put some faces on them? Their sons and their daughters, their parents and their grandparents, their grandchildren and friends, their co-workers and neighbors. You know, I want to be a church that has an impact on our sons and our daughters, on parents and grandkids, on friends and co-workers and neighbors. See, everyone in this room is praying for somebody. And what you want most of all, if they're living outside relationship with God, is that they somehow find that relationship. That they would get saved. What do you think it would take to see a fresh move of God? Something new. Revival. Let me leave you with a question. What if God's move was less dependent on our abilities and more dependent on our mutual connections to each other and God? Well, what if revival was not based on somehow me becoming a better preacher, but us being more connected? Well, what if revival was not based on a new program, but on us just loving each other more deeply and more really? See, I believe church matters. And I believe 
we need to be with one another. In Acts 2, 42-47, it's all about a church that was together. And the truth is, most people in this room, most people watching on live stream, if you would, if you would look at that image, you would say, that's the church I want to be a part of. And I believe that church is centered on koinia. The truth is, most of us in this room been around long enough, you're going to make it to heaven. If I say, woohoo, you're going to make it to heaven. Your salvation may not depend on a radical commitment or recommitment to a body of believers. But I do believe that someone else's salvation may hinge on your commitment to a body of believers. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I'm, if there's anything in this message that's unfair or not from you, remove it from their memory. But Lord, if you're drawing us to something new and a new commitment to one another, may you continue to keep your thumb in our back. Lord, may we never apologize. May I never apologize for conviction that comes from you. I believe your church is meant to be together. I believe church matters. I believe community matters. And I believe that because your word says that it does. Your word says that Jesus died for the church. That gives it value and significance. Lord, may we value it. May we hold on to it. And may we love one another in the midst of it. Now, Lord, be with us as we leave this place. May we continue to listen to your spirit. May we continue to love one another. Lord, even in, not in this room, may we continue to do all these things. Bless us and keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.